Ladies and gentlemen, out. I'm so angry. I'm so mad. Oh, God. Nothing can be done for it. It's just, we have to take the intro video out back and... Yeah, it's over. Uh, guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Dave Willemowski. Dave! Whoa. How are you doing? I'm living the dream. I'm exhausted. It's, it's but it's great. Lie. I'm ready to go. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah. I, I've, I told you before <laughs> the show, you keep on talking about all these long hours you're putting in at work. If you just get a cot and stay there and work yeah, the entire week's shift in one go and then mm -hmm. go home. There you yeah. go. Yeah, it's Wednesday. I got 36 hours in. I'm, I'm almost yeah. done. <laughs> I mean, those gas prices, oof. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, when I was in college, I worked at a uh, at one of the home improvement places, the one with the blue sign. Oh. Not not high, but, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I had a schedule like that where it was like, look, I, I, I only want to work like two or three days a week. Can I just work <laughs> for like all day? <laughs> oh, and they let you do that? They actually did let me do that. I was kind of, oh, yeah. Rat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was actually very, very grateful for that. But I don't want to be gaslit into talking about that stupid kid in the dry lock again. Oh, no, not, not that again. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, we have a guest on tonight's show, and I got to tell you, like, there's just, there's no production staff on the show. And the, the interview ran, like, 52 minutes long in a 30-minute <laughs> slot. So we have no time, Dave, for the monologue and the viewer mail and the meme of the week and the finale. But yeah. we can't just not have a monologue, no. right? Just we'll bang through it. Yeah. Yeah. You ever banged through it, Dave? Uh, well. Uh, All right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, speaking of banging through it, WNBA star Brittany Griner was sentenced to nine years in a Russian wow. prison for smuggling illegal drugs, specifically cannabis oil and vape cartridges. It's completely understandable to be outraged by this, because I, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. Hmm. It's ridiculous for anyone to be imprisoned for the choices they make with their own body, including the use of any drug, especially cannabis. Yeah. But the issue for me isn't the righteous indignation over Russia's treatment of Griner. The issue is with some of the people bloviating the loudest over it, particularly in the Biden administration. Take Vice President Kamala Harris, for instance. Officer Harris prosecuted thousands of cases, many against minorities, over simple possession, destroying countless lives in the process for drugs far less harmful than the kinds Hunter Biden fancies. Oh, and uh, speaking of Hunter Biden, his dad Joe became, before he became the dementia-addled executive he is now, was well known for being the author of the 1994 crime bill that got tough on criminals for doing exactly the kinds of things that we have photo and video evidence of his son doing. But I guess that investigation is still pending. Conspicuously absent from all the outrage is the fact that the United States government has and still currently does prosecute people for exactly the same thing that Brittany Griner has been sentenced for in Russia. Now, I suspect before this whole episode started, she was sleeping soundly despite so many of her fellow Americans being in prison in the U.S. for the same offense. So, if and when she's finally able to return to the States, 
I hope that Griner uses her platform to advocate for the release of all nonviolent drug offenders here in America who may not be the beneficiaries of political posturing or prisoner exchanges. I guess for me, the real tragedy of this is, is that most people are perfectly content with the power of the status quo as long as they are not the target of its ire. Mm-hmm. It's a real shame that some people have to have it happen to them before they're willing to take a stand. Hey, that was... Okay, that's all, no, that's all the time we have, Dave. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Re- whatever thoughts you have right now, remember them for 52 minutes from now. <laughs> and then tell that's me. Guys, we're going to be back with the meme of the week and the viewer mail right after this commercial break. Don't go away. show everybody hey uh hey dave yeah well, <laughs> yeah well, are you you're first... slurring your speech <laughs> already for god's sake stay I, I'm trying to hurry and i accidentally combined two words <laughs> what time yeah, is it it's time for meme of the week we, we gotta talk to you after the show we gotta talk you need an intervention <laughs> oh i can't breathe wow oh <laughs> wow yeah that won't cause any problems no uh but we do have a bonus meme check out the bonus oh, meme no. <laughs> still ended up on the back of the bus huh that's wrong why would they do that i don't know why would they do that not it. us though no just them just uh boy we better we got to get on it we better answer <laughs> the viewer mail we're doing the lightning round of the show first, and then the full show second. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do an hour and a half version of the after party. Wait, it's already going to be an hour. Yeah. Like a three hour. Uh, well, we're, the tier list is going to be in the after party. <laughs> um, Ryan Seifert writes, Dear Alan and Dave, Would you still eat meat if you had to butcher and clean every animal that you ate? Ryan, I don't even think the meat tastes good unless I know they suffered in their dying moments. Oh, yeah. What about you, Dave? Uh, I I don't like it, but I think I'd get used to it because I ain't giving up meat. Yeah, I right? Don't... Yeah. Figure it out. You, Yeah. You figure it out. You love meat, don't you, Dave? Oh, I freaking love it. All right. Uh, Carl Huber <laughs> writes, Dear Alan and Dave, would the future happen anyway, even if nobody tried to predict it in advance? Or does predicting the future influence whether something will happen in the future? Well, I think if you're someone who believes in, like, predestination, then your predicting it was part of it, right? Like, if the future 
it, if the future is something that is that is destined to occur, then your predicting it was just part of the future that was going to occur. We yeah, need, we sounds, need to get that sounds. We need reasonable. to get that thousand yard stare thing of yours with the <laughs> helicopters and the. We we don't have time for this. That's like what is that like yeah, butterfly that's, that's, effect? Yeah, we need a two yeah. hour podcast for that. Yeah, well, that's that sounds like we'll we'll discuss the butterfly effect in the after party. There we go. Uh, Keith McQuarrie writes, "Dear Alan and Dave, are there any extreme sports you've tried or would like to try, such as skydiving, bungee jumping, hang gliding, etc.?" Um, huh. no. Yeah, that all sounds crazy. Yeah. Like whatever, whatever happened to just you know, like horseshoes, but instead yeah. of having a pole you throw it at, you have a person, and like yeah, like we did other. that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't move. It's like it's like <laughs> if we could figure out a way to combine horseshoes. Um, what's that? What's that game that everybody plays nowadays, where you throw the bean bags into the little boards with the holes in them? Oh, cornholing. Yeah. Cornhole. Yeah. Let's let's combine. We'll, oh, we'll do this at next year's live event. We'll combine there horseshoes and cornhole, but there's no... We do have horseshoes, but we don't have the boards. They're just humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you try to land it on them without it falling off. Yeah. Well, because it'll be like one point for landing it on an adult, two points for a child, because they're smaller. Yeah, they're harder to hit. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. Uh, <laughs> Gary Dyster writes, Dear Alan and Dave, uh, if the WEF is successful in forcing us all to eat the bugs, which kind of bug would you least object to eating? Ants, grasshoppers, crickets, spiders, etc. Oh. I thought I thought they did all this stuff to like make the plants like like you right like all the Beyond Meat that's actually plants, yeah. but they say it's meat. How did they we go from? Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, they're not eating the plant meat. Let's just go straight to bugs. What the hell happened there? I don't know. I guess they know we want meat. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways, all I'd right. probably say yeah. mealworms. I hate all the legs on the other things, like crickets and grasshoppers. I did a taste test, and that's no fun. Yeah. Well, I think our our, our Cajun friend, Seth, was pointed out that, you know, oh. uh, what is it? Water bugs. Yeah. Well, like like crawdads and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those are like those are technically bugs, and we already eat them now. So I'm gonna cheat and say that shrimp. Yeah, shrimp. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I will sacrifice for everyone by eating shrimp cocktails. (laughs) Let them eat shrimp. So selfless. Aaron Kintner writes, "Dear Alan and I am dear dear Alan and Dave, why are people obsessed with true crime?" I don't know about people being assessed with true crime, but I know a lot of aren't like a lot of women are into that. Have you noticed yeah, that? They love those those Annie mysteries and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Anna Kay watches some of those too. That she watches the YouTubers where it's just some chick talking about true crime stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah, and it's really weird because on the one hand you have like this whole generation of of women saying yeah I'm really into true crime, and then they also say my anxiety's through the roof. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, correlation yeah. doesn't equal causation, you know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Now I've got some thoughts for you for the finale. Right. We don't have we don't have we don't no have time. time. Right. Uh, Andrew Avery writes, uh, "Sorry, I'm late." Cool. 
Uh, if you enlarge your chicken coop and installed four doors, have you created a chicken sedan? Don't. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> no, it's still a coop. Andrew, we don't have any time. We're pressed no. for time tonight. Come on. Yeah. Um, it's a chicken sedan. Yeah. <laughs> Marilyn Willimowski writes, Dear Alan and Dave, oh. it's back to school time. Did you like going back to school or did you dread it? Okay, so first of all, nobody liked going back to school. And and second of all, I, I actually, that, that question, I'm going to answer the question with a non-answer of, uh, I'm I the I I'm not so much worried about the kids dreading going back to school. Is I hate all these like like wine drinking soccer moms that are all cheering. Yay, my kids are going back to school. Get these mm -hmm. rugrats out of my house. And I'm like, you know, your kids hate you too. <laughs> right? <laughs> those are the ones right. that are happy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not speaking from experience or anything. No. So no. yeah. I don't know. I, I like getting all the fresh new gear. First day back, the first day back was cool, but then mm -hmm. like third day, I'm I'm over it. I'm ready for some summer vacation again. I don't think. I mean, I think the only thing you benefit from is just the chicks, but oh. that's really for the end of school, not really the. Yeah. 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 Like the first graders aren't going back to school thinking, "Oh man, look at these yeah. chicks," you know. All these. Unless unless they actually have like a class pet and it's a chick does it live in a coop or a sedan though yeah yeah a little All it's right. got to be a coop if it's in the class well i think we've done a sufficient job of <laughs> we're not because i i said specifically we don't have any time no and then the monologue went pretty well and then we got derailed and I, i'm gonna blame andrew yeah we, we, we've done worse but yeah that yeah. chick coop keeps coming back yeah. Um, well, there you are then. Guys, we're going to be back with Pete Canones of the Pete Canones Show right after this commercial break. Stick around. Wait, is it supposed to, something supposed to be playing, Dave? Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Our guest this evening is the host of the popular Pete Canones show. It, it used to be Free Man Beyond the Wall, but ever since they fucked the last few seasons of that show, I think we're all safely distancing ourselves from the IP. Pete Canones, welcome back to the show. Thank you. And I still do own Mansraider.com. Well, there you go. Um, you know, let me start off really quick by asking you something I don't think I've ever asked you. Mm hmm Pete Canones. What, what's 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 the what's the family history of the name Canones? Um, Spanish, straight out of Spain. Straight out of Spain. Yep. All right. 
But yeah, easy. It's simple. Yeah, it's it's simple. Because I think people would say you look more like like a Sean Connery Spaniard, a la Highlander, than. Well, well, I mean, I have a weird mixture. You know, it's like first of all, like my Spanish lineage goes back to uh, Germany, because it was like a lot came from Germany and a lot were came from Rome. It was a it's a big deal. You know, it's a lot of the Iberian Peninsula is pretty complicated. Uh, but my mom is basically like almost 100. I'm almost 100 percent Russian on my mom's side. So it's I'm a weird mix. So, <laughs> so what you're te- what you're telling me is, is you're all the white people, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the dangerous white people. Yes. OK, yes, that's, good. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. How, uh, how's summer treating you, Pete? Oh, it's fine. I mean. Auburn, Alabama during the summer. It's not like it's really hot here. And um, yes, it's friggin' retarded here. <laughs> and I've been spending a lot of time in Texas, which, you know, it's not hot there at all during June and July and August at all, you know. So. But um, yeah, the South is uh, the South is special this year so far. Yeah. Now that that's interesting. I know that I think the last time you were on, you, we you were in the midst of a move, and we talked a little bit about that. But you you've spent a lot of time here in the South lately, which is which is my homeland, the 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 nation of my birth. Um. So so tell us a little bit about that. You you're you're spending a lot of time in the South. You mentioned Auburn, which I, I, we we all know an organization that just so happens to be uh, homed in Auburn, Alabama. Uh, why the move to the South? Why now? And, uh, and how is it working out for you? I was living, I was living up in the Midwest and relationship didn't work out. I needed to live somewhere and needed to move. And I had thought about Auburn before. Uh, I have friends who live here and the cost of living is actually pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. So much so that, um, I'm going to be actually helping a friend of mine from Atlanta. Um, actually my former mother-in-law, She's moving here because it's just so much cheaper than Atlanta and sure. you know, safer. So oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> amen. Um, well, you mentioned that you still you still have mansraider dot com. Yeah. So when when you started out the show and you were going by by the the alias Mance Raider, what what was the thought process there? Was it was it was it partly a stylistic choice and and sort of the representation from from the fiction? Or was it a, I don't want to be canceled, so I'm going to go by an alias? Or was it kind of a mixture of the two? I was working for a major corporation, a multinational corporation, actually. And I was worried that they'd people would try to cancel me. Um, and what what's funny is I really wasn't saying anything outside of the realm of anarcho-capitalism at the point. So it was really just, just me being delusional. I should have went with my my real name from the start now sometimes i say stuff where i'm like damn why am i using my real name you know it really should still be man's raider but um you know i'm also i don't have i don't have to worry about getting canceled for my job so um just payment processors and things like that you know <laughs> like this stuff that would put me would sink me right now you know yeah so it's that's an interesting evolution because I I know that you 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 kind of went through that transition yourself and 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 now you feel you know pretty confident where you are now, but something a, a sort of a social phenomenon that I saw a lot of particularly since the dawn of the age of COVID regime is 
you have these people that that perhaps they whisper you, perhaps they message you privately, and they say, Pete, I'm so glad you said this thing you said. You know, I I can't say that, and here's my list of reasons, but I'm glad you said it. And it's a weird comment to get to me because on the one hand, they're 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 complimenting you. They're they're saying that they appreciate a work you're doing. On the other hand, it in my at least in my view, it it contributes to the to the social stigmas we have if you are not willing to say things and and you're only willing to kind of you know quietly whisper in the back alley, hey, thanks for saying what you said. If if more people are not willing to go public, then things continue to be social stigmas. Uh, cancel culture is alive and well. Where where do you sort of fall on that that spectrum of speaking up and being heard versus hide your identity lest you be canceled? I mean, the way I look at it is if you if you're still working in the real world, if you're going to say <laughs> stuff that might get you in trouble, just hide your identity. I have no pro- I have no problem with it, um, especially especially when you see, you know, how they go after some people and how um, how people have been canceled, how people, you know, someone like Owen Benjamin, who I just had on the show recently, um, how he had to go basically build his own platform. Mm-hmm. He just built his own platform and Vox Day went with him. Molyneux over there. Um, Jim Bob, the artist, is over there. And there's a bunch of people over there now. And they are, they're behind a paywall and they are doing really, really well. So obviously there's a market for people who say stuff that is, uh, you know, beyond the pale of uh, common what you don't want to say at the supermarket. But, you know, still there's people out there who want to hear it. So I'm all right with people in the you know general people, people who are, you know, have to go to work in the morning and sit in an office if they want to say stuff online that and that they believe that also might be incendiary. Uh, yeah, please keep your, keep your, um, identity you know, safe. Well, speaking of being canceled, I know, uh, I was getting ready to message you just earlier today and our messages were gone, Pete. They didn't, they weren't there anymore. And I, so I had to type in your, your handle and, Account has been suspended yet again. I, I don't know how many iterations of Pete Mance Raider Raymond Canones we have gone through now, but yet another iteration has bit the dust. And I have to ask you, what was it this time? All right. Um, I have a sub stack. I try to write three days a week. And whenever an, whenever an article drops, I always make the announcement on social media. Mm-hmm. So I just set up this little thing, copy paste. And this one said... My latest at Substack. And I always try to put a quote in there from the article. And it says, um, quote, it appears the way to stop the spread. It appears the way to stop the spread would be a no brainer. Inform the gay male community that they are the super spreaders. Referring to monkeypox. Sure. And um, yeah, that was targeting and harassing a minority um, community. Now. That that's interesting. I know this is something we talked about in the past that you you and I are not stupid. We we know when we say or do something that might be particularly spicy. 
But it never, I don't know if this has been your experience. My experience has been, it's never really the really incendiary comments that get you. It's always some random, almost relatively mild, some yeah. sort of innocuous, you know, or the, or kind of the, the, the Facebook slash meta, uh, process of everything's going great and then all of a sudden you get flagged and then when you click on it it's you know it's some random meme from four years ago it's not it's not that horrible thing you just said last night has that been your experience it certainly has um what's funny is facebook has that thing where they'll give you like um highlights from the past and then you can click and it'll be like every like a bunch of posts that you had on that day in previous years and the amount of posts that when I look at that list that are gone. Yeah. Is like, I'm just like, that's just, it's just nuts. But the thing is, you know, that when I put this up, I didn't think this was controversial at all. I didn't think this was going to get me in trouble. As a matter of fact, I wrote when I wrote back to Twitter and I just based, I mean, I knew I, I knew I wasn't getting my account back. So I just was like, you ever, you ever think that maybe you're in the wrong you know, and ask that to them. And hopefully, I mean, I doubt they even read it, but, um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I've never gotten in trouble for like, you know, questioning large numbers in history and things like that. It's always, um, you know, the seemingly innocuous stuff that I, at one time I told the first account I had that I created in like 2009, it got canceled because some guy was like talking about how, um, oh, in anarchy, you know, I could just, yeah, I could just have sex with kids and what what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, if you were having sex with kids, I'd just blow your head off. And I got my account was banned mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, because what you're insinuating is the bannable offense, not not what right, they're right. insinuating. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, staying on the topic of social media, uh, something I know we've talked about a little bit in the past is. I'm very liberal when it comes to the usage of the block and mute features, because something that I've talked about a lot on the show is when you're talking about building communities, talking about, you know, people in our sphere talk a lot of times about this almost mythical, legendary liberty community. But I feel like in it, right? But I feel like I don't even get me started on liberty movement. I'm willing to live with liberty community. I don't go for liberty movement, but, uh, there's, uh, to me, part of having a community is association and disassociation. And you, if if there was some random hobo out on the street that was yelling obscenities at you, you wouldn't invite that person in for, for tea in the afternoon and, and learn their life story. You'd be like, oh, stay away from me. I don't want to hear from you. And it's wonderful. That's this is, the, this is the best feature of social media that you can block and mute people that you don't like and don't want to hear from. And yet you have other people that wear these things as a badge of honor or – uh, or God forbid you have the people that say, well, this such and such public figure, they can't block me. That's, you know, that's that's breaking some whatever FCC regulation or, well, well, you're a coward. They're running from me. You know, I it, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is even if even if you didn't like that person and they blocked you like, OK, more's the better. That's that's just one less mouth I have to hear from. What What's your opinion on that? I always think it's hilarious when it comes from people who are libertarians or um, anarchists or voluntarists, because you know all they want to do is like have this anarchist society where you know, everyone's an anarchist. Well, you can do that on social media. 
You can just block people who aren't block people you don't like. But why would you why would you want to force somebody into a relationship with you? The people who are saying, oh, you, you, you shouldn't block people. Why do why do you want to force me into a relationship with you? I mean, it sounds like you're a tyrant. That's what these people always turn out to be. It was like half of these people who have the, the V thing in there um, when you're like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a voluntarist, too. I think that, you know, if white people want to build a town and exclude black people, I'm OK with that. And they're like, well, no, that's I'm like, I thought you were a voluntarist. Sure. Well, that's not what well, that's not what. It, oh, just your feelings are hurt. Is that what the problem is? Your feelings are hurt. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to is these people are all positive rights people. Um, they're all influenced. I mean, they've been corrupted by leftism. I mean, everything in this country has been corrupted, corrupted by leftism. Why wouldn't anarcho-capitalism and volunteerism and, and libertarianism get infected by leftism? You know, what's worse in this country, being a fascist or being a commie? Commies are out in the open. People who call themselves commies, like, run the university system. Sure. Do they hire fascists? Or do they try to get them basically killed or stalked or targeted? All right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, th this is what, this is what, you know, my friend Thomas calls the Nuremberg regime. It's like after, after Nuremberg, anything to the right of Mao, you know, is considered basically criminal, not illegal, but criminal. You know, if you're, if you're just too right wing, you're, oh my God, you're, you're a reactionary. And most of the people who call that, call me a reactionary, like have no internal monologue. So they're just they're just running on instinct, basically. Yeah. Reaction is actually thinking through something and, um, you know, and then reacting to it, having <laughs> having trying to have a solution for it or at least have an opinion about it. Um, it just it seems to me that this whole leftism is forcing people into relationships that they don't want to be in and blocking people on social media. Social media is I mean, even my 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 ex-wife, Jen, she's, um, you know, she, she's more of a reason magazine kind of libertarian. But even she's like, if just block people. It's like if you think that you want a voluntary society, social media is the best place to have it. You just block anyone you don't you, you block everyone that you don't want to deal with. And it's perfect. You know, people will be like, oh, well, get in a private group chat or something like that. Fuck you. I do what I want. Screw you. Well, Pete, something I, something that I've witnessed a lot, and and I'm not just going to bat for you because you're my friend, though you are, is that it seems like there's a lot of people who they these are the people I I tend to block first. The people who ascribe your viewpoints to you instead of listening to what you have to say and and digesting it and and coming to some conclusion of oh well you know Pete advocates for this or Alan doesn't advocate for that they will they they have this headcanon of this is what this guy thinks and you know and and maybe the really clever ones will will sprinkle just enough sound bites in there of truth because they're not really they're not, it's 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 the typical good faith no no good faith type debate right they're not really having any type of conversation with you they're trying to signal to whatever their platform or audience is this is what this guy thinks uh, i'll give you a perfect example um uh, the the I, I i don't write as much as i used to i i admire you for that 
Um, but I, I wrote, I basically took one of our monologues from a week or two ago, and the monologue was just basically, here's the reasons why I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump. And it was talking about things like John Bolton, Mike Pompeo, Jeff Sessions, uh, not pardoning people like Ross Ulbricht, Edward Snowden, uh, you know, expanding debt, things like that. And, okay. and the article specifically had a paragraph at the end where I didn't, because I'm not a voter, but I didn't say don't vote. I, I don't give a shit if people vote or not. I'm, you know, that's where I am politically. But I didn't actually say that in the article. The article has a whole paragraph that specifically says if the only reason you have left to vote is to own the libs, other than the fact that I don't think you're a particularly well-educated voter, if that's your, if that, if your one issue is own the libs, I don't think you have a lot of issues you give a shit about. But if you are going to vote, Go go vote early and often, right? Go to go vote yeah. in the primaries. Try to find the best candidate so that you don't wind up in these situations where you have John McCain, Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump type, you know, elections. Try to find better people, but that means being a little bit more engaged than just voting once every four years. Needless to say, most people don't fucking read the article. And so you have all these replies already of people saying, well, if we did what this guy wants, it'd just be more of the same. He has the same views as all the legacy media. And I'm like, really? Alan Mosley has all the views of the legacy media? I should be making a lot more money than this. <laughs> so so it's, it's ascribing your views onto you as opposed to listening to you. Now, sure. Pete, after, I'm sorry I just went on a little rant there because this happened earlier Fine. today. It's your show. I, I, I know that this has never happened to you. I mean, I just did an appearance on Dave Smith's part of the problem. You know, a little, little bit bigger, a little, a little more audience in this show and, and my How show. How dare uh, you? And my show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I talked a lot about Hoppe. And so now there's a meme going around, not a meme, but, you know, it's like I'm a medic going around that Pete doesn't know anything about Hoppe. So who do I contact i contact the guys at hoppian.org and i'm like you watched a show did i say anything wrong about hoppa and they're like nothing that jumped out but it's just people who i mean they don't know hoppa you know and and one guy in particular is a voting as violence guy Th mm. those guys th that's hilarious to me because it's something that i used to do and it's so embarrassing when you when you say stuff like that because you're just basically showing that you're retarded um and I used to be, I used to be retarded. You know, I, I, I found a cure. I found a cure. It was called going to the right. Um, and then you stop being retarded. And so, yeah, it's like, well, I don't know anything about Hoppe. And then I asked the experts over at Hoppe.org who probably don't know anything about Hoppe either. I mean, you know, was, you know, they only named the site after him and, you know, talk to Hoppe and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's all the time. It's like, um, so when I, yeah. Another one is that I'm blackpilled. That's my favorite. That's like my favorite. It's like, you know, Pete's blackpilled. Well, the only reason I'm blackpilled is because I don't agree with what they're doing. Yeah. I don't think what, what they're doing is going to work. So that means I'm blackpilled. But in the same breath, I say, I don't think what they're doing is going to work. But here's something that I think will. I mean, my substack today was about how we win. And not having a culture of losing, not having a culture of defeat. How is that at all black-pilled? And it's probably the most white-pilled thing I've ever written. And I've been writing stuff like that for over a year. But because I don't agree with what they're doing, you know, the 
especially the agorists. I mean, this this voting is violence guy, this guy who wrote this whole thing about how I don't know what Hoppe teaches. And then like somebody else read it and was like, this guy doesn't know what Hoppe teaches. The guy, guy who wrote it who's critiquing me. And then, of course, he threw a voting as violence thing in there because on Dave's show, I was making fun of these retards because it's pretty much retarded. You know, it's like voting is violence. I mean, everything's violence. Everything is, um, oh, you want to you, you do local politics because you want to be a king over me. Nigga, you live 2,000 miles from me. What the hell are you fucking talking about? These people, they're, they're, they're virtue signaling to their in-group. That's exactly what they're doing because mm -hmm. they're all leftists. They're all influenced by leftism. If somebody tells you libertarianism isn't isn't left or right, and they're for the most part, you know, I know Paul, Walter Block does. Uh, Walter Block says that, but I'm talking about someone online. If you really drill down and you look at what they believe, they're leftists. And you know, this, I, yeah, this they do it retardation. I I think where where I draw the line because I. You know, at the end of the day, look, I, I'm I'm just a late night host, right? I'm not trying to change the world here. Um, I, I think where I draw the line is 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 just asking people objectively, no no particular issue or or philosophy is, can you recognize a preference poll? Can can you can you simply look at a list of options and and identify which one you would prefer? Now, I may I may perfectly agree with you that all the options are bad. Mm -hmm. But can you identify the least bad option? If yep. if you're the type of person because I know I've shared a few of the polls we've run recently with you. If you're yeah, the yeah. type of person that just you like you're just gritting your teeth because you want to write in e none of the above, then you just don't have the mental capacity to engage in this poll then I really am not sure how much value we're going to get out of an exchange. And, and, and by the way, this is me being as, as cordial as I possibly can with that language. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, these are people who have made their ideology, an ideology that has not been proven can work in the real world, also their identity. So what you're doing by having those polls, so say you give four choices, and all of the choices exist within statism. Dun, dun, dun. If they choose the le if they have to choose the least um, the least worst one, the, the least bad one, they're choosing statism and they can't choose statism mm -hmm. because their identity is an anarchist, an anarchist who is just writing that check every April 15th, you know, and, you know, the, the, with his driver's license and is everything is like, <laughs> I mean, I. I Really, in my heart, I'm still an anarchist, but it's just it. One of the reasons I don't call myself a libertarian anymore, and I don't call refer to myself an, as an anarchist anymore, is since the beginning of 2020, I've been looking at libertarians and anarchists and been like, "Wow, I'm this is." I don't want to be associated with these people. And yeah. you know, if I say that I'm am, uh, and also you know, I've I used to be one of those people who didn't want to. Well, I don't want to choose in the real world if I. If if I say what something something DeSantis did was good, everybody's gonna think I'm a statist. It's like I mean, really the the guy who saved his state. I mean, thirteen thousand votes in the other direction. Oh, voting doesn't matter. Yeah, well, thirteen thousand votes in the other direction in Florida, and you would have had a gay black crackhead in there, and he would have shut the whole state down, destroying the tourist industry. It'd probably still be shut down at this point.
And, yeah. And, you know, and so DeSantis saved at least that he saved the state. Uh, he saved his state. Now, was it a libertarian solution? Some of the thing, uh, most everything he did. No, but there is no libertarian. There is no libertarian answer. I've been saying this a lot lately. Libertarians always think that like when a crisis comes along, people are going to run to them for answers. They never run to you for answers. Never. At the beginning of COVID, they ran to the state and they said, what are you experts? What are you going to do? Oh, and then they started posting on Twitter and making fun of anarchists. I mean, making fun of um, libertarians saying, oh, what's a liberal? <laughs> Everyone's a libertarian until a pandemic starts. Well, maybe they're wrong, but they're not coming. To, these people aren't coming to you for answers. You know, the people who were coming to me for answers during people came to me for answers during COVID because I was like, we're going to have to get out of libertarianism in order to, to solve this problem because there are no we have no control of the state. We have no power. What are the libertarian solutions to this? Sure, there are some a few agorist solutions and things, you know, try to set up a private um way that you can get food or something like that, maybe um, go cryptocurrency, go gold or silver or something like that. But I mean, on the most part, there was there is no answer for COVID tyranny, except what DeSantis did. And DeSantis is a Zionist and he's a he's a you know, a hawk, a former I think he's a former seal. But he saved the state. He did what the people asked. He did what the majority the, the people who voted for him. He came through. And, you know, as Carl, Carl Schmidt says, you know, you don't really know what government is, what government is until a crisis happens. Yeah. Government just skates along. Then a crisis happens. Then you see who they really are. And we saw who the national government was when the crisis came along. We saw a lot of the state governments, a lot of local governments were. But we also saw who DeSantis was. And DeSantis was somebody who was like, like locked down for about seven days and said, nope, made a mistake, opening this back up. There are no, there were no libertarian answers to this, not to get, um, maybe for yourself, maybe personally there were some libertarian answers, but you know, I know for a fact that, um, because of the lockdowns, because there were politicians in your area that didn't, weren't willing to go to bat and say that this was all bull that you suffered. And I'm sure you wouldn't have had a problem with some politician if he would have stepped, if he or she would have stepped forward and acted like DeSantis and kept everything open so that you could keep your life and your, you know, your, um, your income stream going. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, but this ideology that people make into their identity. And that's one of the biggest problems I have with any, with like politics in general, progressives do it. Libertarians really do it. Conservatives really do it. It's like, you know, this isn't your identity. This is just like your preferences. This is your preferences so that you can go about your life. If you make it your identity, then you politics has become your religion. And sadly, that's that's where most people are at. And it's not good, man. It's not well, watching I'll these Watching these people stick to their stick to their guns while people's lives are being destroyed around them and they're not and they're making excuses for it. Really, it just you know, made me run like hell away from 
you know, libertarianism and anarchism and whatever anybody else, whatever term people want to use. Well, a, an example I like to use a lot is uh, Thomas Massey. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of Thomas Massey. I, I mean, is as 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 a as a voting statist would go, you, you're you're going to be hard pressed to get congressmen better than Thomas Massey. Um, you know, I, I, I see. This is another one of these basic polls that help you know who to block and mute. Is that if if you genuinely believe in your heart that Thomas Massey is a violent, you know, tyrannical monster, because he is a congressman, just like that. That's just that's the baseline. Well, he's a congressman. That means he is he is exactly equal to Nancy Pelosi. If that's mm-hmm. your worldview, you just are not a serious person. And and you can and, and so this is not to say you can't find areas of disagreement. And and you can you can even say, you know what, if hard pressed, I would not vote for this person because I just couldn't be bothered to leave work for fifteen minutes. If that's your view, that isn't even what bothers me. What bothers me is is that you actually think this person and Chuck Schumer are the same people. If you think that, then you don't think very much at all. <laughs> is yeah. is kind of where I'm at on that. But yeah, so all government, all governments are the same. That's why they, you know, where where would you rather live during COVID, California or Florida? They won't answer that question. They won't answer that question because it goes out, it, it removes them from their from their little box. You know, where would you have rather live? Would you have rather lived in Sweden or the United States? I can't answer that question. They're both states, and that make me a statist. They're child. They're children. I mean, it's it's childish. And I used to do that because I was just so caught up in ideology. Well, I mean, ideology, when it comes right down to it, like if a libertarian got elected president, do you really think they'd govern like a libertarian? They'd see exactly how they if they were at all serious, they'd see exactly how they had to govern. And they would. Ideology goes out the window because. Really, when you read like James Burnham's Suicide of the West. He talks about how ideology is just basically used to control the masses. They adopt an ideology and the state doesn't matter what ideology they choose, but they love it when they choose uh, right wing ideology because right wingers usually don't want power. And when they do get power, they cut taxes and that's it. People in charge like lefties because they know that lefties want to get elected and get power and get more power and get more power and get more power to the point where. They run everything and they can put they can have it. It's OK with them if there are gay, gay male kindergarten teachers teaching anal sex to kindergartners. Yeah, they get Oof. to they we, get to, you know, do and, and libertarians. Oh, how many libertarians out there? Even ones that are, you know, one particular that I know that's running for governor was like, you can't call these people groomers. OK. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. But yeah, huh. yeah. Well, the 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 last point that I kind of want to touch on because we're we're running out of time is a, a be kind of preceding any policy positions or or even or even ideology or any of it is I've I've come around a lot more not only to talking about your community building and. Uh, taking part of your community, you know, I've 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 gotten to asking people, asking people closer to our age, you know, as opposed to the boomer cons, mm-hmm. of, do you know your neighbors? 
Do do you know them? Yeah. Do you do you do, have you ever visited with them? When you move, the last time you moved somewhere, did you bother knocking on anyone's door and saying hello? Because I, because I, I feel like if that's a bridge too far for you, then I'm not sure national politics or even state politics is quite up your alley. And and, and another way I put it is, is you know, like let's let's be honest. I I I'm perfectly content to use myself as an example. I, I lost some weight recently. I was a fat fuck. I'm I'll be happy to write a blog. Uh, it's 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 pending. It's going to be Alan's new diet. Um, uh, philosophy. It's called how to eat less and not be a fat fuck. But I I I was unhappy. I was unhappy with myself and in that particular aspect of myself. And I thought, well, I I I feel like I'm being hypocritical to tell other people. You can't change the world unless you can change yourself and me have things about myself I can't change. And so I thought, well, I better work on myself and try to do better just as a human being, as a man, as a husband, as all those things so that I know I'm doing the best I can. And I want to encourage other people to do the best they can of the things they can control to make their families better, their communities better, have a better relationship with their friends and neighbors. Because if you... If you can't change yourself, you're just not ready for the next battle. You're not ready for the wars to come. And boy, there are people that'll hear that and they'll respond positively saying, you know what? You know, even if it's just to prove me wrong, I'll be, I'm happy to be proven wrong. If you say, you know what? I am going to do better. Fuck you, Alan. Okay, great. That sounds awesome. I look forward to it. But you know what? Got a lot of really angry response to those types of statements too. And I'm like, you know, it's like the meme of why are you booing me? I'm right. Like, it, yeah, like yeah. why are you mad at me? Because I think you should try to be a better person, a healthier person, a wiser person, a more successful person. And I, I'm not like we're not even discussing politics right now. and We're pissing people off. Well, you're you don't even have to mention your neighbors. How many people know their family? That they live with. I mean, their kids are, their faces are stuck in a phone or a tablet or on a computer. I mean, how many people, I'm sure there are people who are listening to this, watching this, who have family dinner every night, but I'm assuming that a lot didn't. I didn't growing up, you know, and I'm from a different generation. You know, I was a latchkey kid. I was, I had two younger brothers that I cooked for. If I didn't cook, they didn't eat. If I didn't cook, my parents didn't eat because they both got home late. Um, how many people know their family? I mean, much less their neighbors. You know, I know my, I live in a, a duplex, but it's like houses. It's like full size houses, but it's two connected to each other. I know that the, I know the people who I share a wall with because we talked as soon as I moved in. Um, I know my, the, I know the neighbors across the street because they actually in the community, they're um, contracted to do all the lawns and everything like that. Uh, but for the most part on my street, I don't know a lot of people. I've lived here about six months, but I know, I know people who, in town that, you know, I know that I can get that I'm close with and everything like that. So, um, but you know, I, I even look at the family. I put out a tweet today that, um, said the regime had to destroy the family unit because the family unit is their greatest threat. I mean, a strong family, you know, I've said this, um, been talking about this on my podcast. I hope this doesn't get you, um, in trouble, but like the war on white people, which is an obvious war. I mean, I've seen videos, video montages, they talk about it on the news. They talk about it on MSNBC. They talk about it on CNN. They talk about it on podcasts. They talk about it openly. They talk about it on Twitter. And like, okay, why would they have a war on white people? Well, because the family unit, white people have, ten, have a tendency to have 
um, more cohesive family unit. And also white people don't need the government as much. They're much more independent minded, usually have you know more means, um, more ownership of property. So they go after, you know, it's like the government needs you to be reliant upon them. So let's destroy the people who are the, le- or, you know, are the least reliant upon us. But I think it just all comes back to the family. You know, I mean, th- look at how, look at how bad society's gotten since like 1965. I mean, Soul talks, Thomas Soul talks about how um, during the 50s, the, the white, the white divorce rate was higher than the black divorce rate. And then all of a sudden the great society comes along and it just absolutely destroys it. People bought into it. I mean, that community, you know, that community for the most part is destroyed because of the family. And, you know, if you have families that are destroyed, how, how are you neighborly? You know, it's like, I mean, everything is fractious. So, I mean, I, I think it all starts with the family and then it goes out to your neighbors. Um, you know, it's like when people are like, oh, how do we change the world? How do we stop the COVID regime? How do we stop, um, you know, agenda 2030 and things like that? The great reset. Well, it starts at home. You know, you figure out a way to generate income that's outside the, that's outside the system. And if possible, learn to grow food, do stuff like that. And then you can look and you're like, okay, do I want to team up with people in the area and have like sort of a um, mutual aid society or at least uh, some kind of lifeline that people know that they can rely upon each other. And then, you know, as Hoppe talks about local politics, maybe take over your town, get a sheriff elected who's, you know, of your ideology. Sheriff has a lot is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the highest elected official in the land. You know, John Birch Society has been talking about that forever. And that's the way you do it is you build, you start at home, then you build out. But if you're not going to start at home, if you don't have everything, you know, at, together at home, expecting to build out is, I mean, people are going to see that people are going to see that, you know, you're, you don't have your house in order. Notice when politicians go national, you know, the first, one of the first things they do is they, even if their family is completely screwed, they always present as a, as a unit. They always present as one hey, we're a big happy family and everything. And it doesn't matter that Bill de Blasio's daughter is, you know, <laughs> crackhead or whatever. You know, it's just, they present that way. So, Well, I've, I've told people the story before about when, if we were away from the, the house I grew up in, uh, we were on a street in a neighborhood where it was mostly older people, which was a great neighborhood to live in. It was mostly sure, older people, and we were the one younger family with young kids, my brother and I. There's and, not going to be a lot of crime in that on no, street. No, not at all. And well, and specifically to that point, it was the kind of neighborhood where we didn't need security cameras because if if someone even so much as used our driveway to turn around and pull back out, they would be getting daggers stared at them by all of our neighbors, all the old fogies. And then when we got home, they would say, hey, do you know a, a brown Ford Tempo? You know anyone that drives that? No, no. Well, they they turned around in your driveway. And, and I remember being younger and thinking, God, how corny and nosy these people are. But when I got older, I realized, man, what a great neighborhood to live in. These people give a shit about what's coming up and down their street, and they give a shit about their neighbor and what's going on at their house. Uh, and how blessed we were to have that. And I know that there's people listening right now that might say, well, Alan, we live in a fractured time. Everything is just so politically charged. We ju- that's why we don't have that anymore. And, and, and my response to that is, boy, that sounds like an excuse. Yeah, I mean, you, you're telling me your community can't come together, if, especially in hard times, especially in 2020. 
you know, I mean, where I lived in Atlanta, I knew my neighbors. Uh, I had there was a big turnover uh, where I was, but I always got to know them when they came in and they knew they could knock on the door if they needed something. But, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense to me that you yeah, <laughs> something that Dave and I talked about on his show were a getting rid of the term individual and collective like once and for all, because people use it as use them as pejoratives or, um, you know, it's like individual, oh, individual rights and everything. It's like, come on, you, you need humanity. Stop, stop. All right. Individual rights. Sure. No one should be killing you. No one should be taking your stuff. No one should be hurting you, but stop with the individualism. You're not a radical individual. You can't even, you can't even make your own clothes. Now the two people listening to this, who make, make their own clothes are commenting right now. Um, you can't make your own car. The, the, the one, you know, the one person who's made their own car is, you know, commenting right now. Um, but then it's like, oh, well, you you want it to be a collective, and then you'll have to, yeah. Well, I mean, the, anarchy was never about having like, you know, three hundred and twenty thousand Lichtenstein, uh, three hundred and twenty million Lichtensteins. It was about having ten thousand. That's going to be a commu- There's going to be communities, and I mean to think that. Sure, to a certain, to, to a large extent, you have individual, you have rights as an individual, but you also have responsibilities, and you have responsibilities to yourself, you have responsibilities to your family, and you have responsibilities to your friggin', to your, your neighborhood, you have responsibilities to where you live. You know, one of the, most of those responsibilities are negative. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. But I mean, if you think you're gonna get, if you think you're gonna get along, on your own, well, maybe. If things get really bad, you're going to have to rely on other people. I mean, unless you're independently wealthy or something like that, and you've converted money to gold and crypto, whatever you, you know, um, I just don't, I don't know how this ideology that I came into libertarianism really actually like survives. Like it, it's going it, to, it'll only survive by people who are going to like become so, are going to make it cultish mm-hmm. because it doesn't. It doesn't solve the problems of the world right now. It doesn't. How does libertarianism solve the Great Reset? In general, what are you going to get libertarians elected? I mean, it, okay, at the at the local level, sure. I mean, are they going to do what needs to be done at the local level? I mean, you know, politics is not, you know, politics is not a you know, t- po- politics is a combat sport. You have to be able to, you know, hit somebody, metaphorically. Yeah, God. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, liberty. <laughs> Libertarians don't want, you know, they don't want that. They just want to be, they want to think that their ideas, if they just, if if they could just find somebody to communicate their idea, you know, just the right way that everyone in the world is going to become a libertarian. It's just retarded. I, I think that, you know, and then you say, well, I, you know, I say, well, you know, Ron Paul ran and he was a Republican, but his, what was coming out of his mouth was very libertarian and the people re- rejected it. Most of the people, the overwhelming majority of people rejected it. Well, they, okay, well, maybe, maybe you need a better, you know, oh, well, 9-11 or, you know, it's always an excuse. It's always an excuse. And it's always bringing up something like some kind of emergency that happened that caused people to abandon libertarianism. Yeah, that's government. Government is about emergencies. There's always going to be an emergency. And if you don't have the power and you don't have it, you could have all the best ideas on how to solve it, but if you don't have the power to solve it, if you're not in place to solve it, 
people are just looking at you like you're an idiot because you don't have the power and that's what they want. People see, I, like power. See, I look at the Ron Paul example as the equal, equal and opposite way that, that, so you mentioned, these are the same kinds of people that think voting is violence and, and all politicians are evil and all that. It's like, well, Look at Ron Paul as an example. A lot of these same people love Ron Paul. And that's that's a that's a circle that you can't square with these people because which is it? Either every politician is evil and they're all the same. Ron Paul's exactly the same as Mitt Romney, right? There's just no difference between the two. Um, but but to your point, uh, it was rejected by the overwhelming majority of people. That's true. However, uh, you know, comparatively to libertarian messengers. He was a fantastic one. He reached a lot more people than Joe Jorgensen could ever have dreamed of reaching, sure. right? And yet he did it as a sitting congressman running as a Republican. So right. you, you, those are those are just different viewpoints that I feel like these yeah, people yeah. can't can't reckon with. But well, and it's it's become very fashionable to hate Ron Paul recently. I've seen a lot more Ron Paul hate on the timeline. Yeah, well, and I think that's just I think people. What I think that is, is I think it's people um, retreating into ideology and becoming so ideologically rigid that they have to reject Ron Paul because, you know, he he was an elected official and people voted for him and voting is violence. And, you know, Ron Paul, um, I, I don't know if he ever collected a salary. I, I mean, I never I've never asked him, uh, but who cares? I mean, he was elected to do something and. You know, then there's all, oh, he did this and he did that and he did this and he did that. And everything that they like, all the things that they are critical of is him taking care of his people at home. You know, your people at home, the people you represent are getting robbed blind in taxes. And so Ron Paul puts a little pork into a bill for the people at home. And then he votes against the bill, knowing the bill is going to pass. It's like, well, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it, you know, my mom died at 59 before she and she had been working full time since she was 16. She paid tons of money into the Social Security system that they kept that. It wasn't passed to me. It wasn't passed to me and my brothers. I mean, they kept that. So you know, would when she turned 65, would I have told her, you know, it's immoral for you to take that money? Because that money really isn't what you put into it. It's no, you fucking take that money because they've been stealing it from you your whole life. You know, I that makes me, you know, that makes me unprincipled. I don't give a fuck. It's a great thing when you have. I've just taken this attitude, whereas people are like, "Well, you're not a libertarian anymore." I'm like, "Thanks for catching up." Yeah, thanks, thanks. I've been saying that for a while. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I still hold to libertarian principles. I still talk about private property. You know, I still talk about good economics. I still talk about um, um, the the right to, you know, free association and the right to not associate. And I think those are very libertarian, um, libertarian ideas. But as an overarching ideology of non of non-aggression and non-violence and not, I mean, you know, violence, violence really doesn't even political violence is very rarely solve anything. But using force which doesn't have to be violence. It's just really pressure. Um, they don't want to do that. And well, you see, you see what the world is, you see what the world's coming to. And, um, thankfully I know of a lot of people out there who have been turned around and they're like, yeah, we need to do stuff locally. And so I have hope for that. 
I have I have great hope for that. So, good collectives versus bad individuals. I feel like yeah. might be a good title for this. Yeah, yeah. good collectives, man. It's um, you know, I I know it's a curse word to a lot of people, but I mean, collectives are what what are going to get you through. It's what has gotten. It's why we're here. It's why humanity has made it this far because we've teamed up and it starts with the family. You know, so that's a good collective. Well, Pete, we ran out of time 19 minutes ago. <laughs> so I got, nothing, I got nothing else to do. I, I don't know. I'm not recording it for another couple hours. So. All right, good. Um, Pete, where can people go to support you and get more of your content? All right. Um, I have on my website, freemanbeyondthewall.com forward slash store. You can support me there monthly or yearly. Um, on freemanbeyondthewall.com forward slash support, there's crypto addresses, there's a PayPal address, there's other ways that you can support me. Um, but the show is found at the Picanona. The show is the Picanona show. I'm on every podcatcher still. So, had some episodes taken down from Spotify. For now. Hey, yeah. But hey, um, the YouTube channel's still up. And the um, Substack, um, Pete'sSubStack.com. Taking a little uh, learning from Tom Woods and buying domains that are easier than PeteQuinones.Substack.com. And um, yeah, and then Monopoly on Violence is a documentary that that I executive produced and wrote, helped write, did a lot of the interviews in it and appeared in that's on Amazon Prime. And we're actually in the process now of editing and finishing up our second documentary. It's called Over Policed. And it's going to look at the history of policing, the economics of policing. It's going to look at the problems of policing, why there are problems with policing and solutions in and outside of the system. So... That I don't have a release date, and I would. And after doing the last one and telling people it was going to come drop in March and didn't drop till June, I'm not making any promises. <laughs> All right, I understand that. On that note, Pete, we're going to get you out of here on this one. Is a waffle a cake? Mm. Yes. No, um, yes, 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 uh, yes. I already hit the ding. You can't change your answer yes. now. That is the correct answer. A waffle is a cake. Uh, Pete, I'm so glad you got that right because shame is a good thing. We're talking about disassociation here. We have to shame our friends and neighbors who think it's okay to eat cake for breakfast. So yeah. that is correct, Pete. Fantastic. You won the bonus round. Thanks for being here, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Guys, we're going to be back to wrap up the show right after this commercial break. Stick around. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Mosley. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. It's twitter.com at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. 
We're now on Odyssey. Go and support a free speech platform. It's Al- Odyssey. It's too late with Alan Mosley or at Alan Mosley TV. If you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can support us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. That's thanks to Anchor FM. It's anchor.fm slash Alan Mosley TV. Well, Dave, if you think you know it, why don't you do it then? <laughs> this guy, this guy is over here in the monitor mouthing my words. You do it then. I don't think I'm ready for that yet. All right, um, Dave, do you have a final thought? It was it was a great show. We 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 had some technical glitches that I don't think came through. Great interview. I think it was a lot of fun. I'm excited about the after party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you though? You know I am. We, I feel like in that that fifty minutes we had there to powwow, we should have discussed what we're going to do in the after party, but we didn't. Oh. We never got around to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're oh, still- I mean, no, we were live this whole time, so we didn't have time. Yeah, that to- too. I was busy, and you were over oh. here just taking notes and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pete, you had Pete on the show. That's awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Pete's been on the show a few times now. I think I'm going to go back on his show, and I think we're going to talk. We're going to say some more bad words. I'm trying to clean up my language. I said a few bad words in that yeah. just now. I didn't. I didn't. You know. Yeah, save them for his show. Yeah, I the the, the spirit was with me, and I just you know. Yeah. All right. So the after party is only on Twitch. That's Twitch.tv/Allen underscore Mosley. But if you're not going to be there. Thank you so much for watching another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week. Almost Look forgot we did the show. Yeah, yeah, we're we're at like an hour and nine. You guys, when when it hit fifty nine fifty nine, Dave was just going to end the stream. Yeah, I was ready to. My finger yeah. was on the button. Yeah, you're <laughs> contractually obligated for a one hour show. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> Calling your lawyer. Notes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This is, I'm going to file a grievance. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have a very strong kick in here. No. <laughs> Sounds like some commie gobbledygook. <laughs> <laughs>